I don't know how long I want to stay on this today, but obviously we have to bring it up. The the news of the day, and you've heard it probably ad nauseum since 8 o'clock this morning, Tom Brady confirms initial reports by Adam Schefter that he is indeed retiring after seven Super Bowl wins, 10 Super Bowl appearances, and maybe the most interesting front-to-back career in NFL history, Tom Brady is hanging up the cleats, says that if he can't give 100% of his focus to his teammates, that's not that's not fair to them. So he is, at least for now, hanging it up. I mean, are we, are we putting aside a Brett Favre-style comeback? I don't know. He's got a whole lot of other things going on. But I don't want to stay here for too long, Cam, but obviously we have to talk about it. Yeah. Tom Brady retires from the NFL, again, after seven Super Bowls. I don't know what the question. I mean, is it is the question that obviously everyone's asking? Is he the greatest athlete of all time? I think it's pretty clear cut. He's the greatest NFL player of all time. He won seven Super Bowls. Yeah, but now the question I keep hearing over and over again is: He the greatest athlete of all time? If you, I, I don't inherently care for this because I think you can get carried too much into the minutia of like, what does an athlete mean? Teams for team, team sports versus uh, uh, just a solo sport, uh, Olympic sports all that kind of stuff. So like just the minutia of all that, you get just bogged down in the arguments more so than the answer. But your thoughts as Tom Brady calls it quits. I mean, the dude's been in the league since you've been alive. Yeah. Greatest, um, probably team player, um, ever. I, I, I don't really want to do athlete. He probably better, is the greatest team better, player. Better than Jordan. I, I would put it like this. I think Jordan, see, he was a good see team. See how far, no, how long did this take us? I think Jordan's the greatest all-time player in sports history. But as far as like a team like Tom Brady, he had to galvanize the troops a lot. Jordan could kind of like take games in his own matters in hands. Like, okay, give me the ball, I'll go get you 50, we'll win the game. Tom Brady still had to rely on his defense and his wide receivers to get open, even when they were depleted. And the, the thing I respected about Brady the most, he went out kind of on top this year. Yeah, he lost to Stafford. But you're down 27-3. You show that resilience to fight back. You led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Had one of the best seasons in NFL history. You go out on top like that and you're the GOAT with seven rings and ten Super Bowl appearances. And you're you're known for um, losing one of the greatest Super Bowls ever offensively. Man, I mean, that's he's the GOAT, man. That's, that's a great career. I was thinking about this morning. I'm like, man, I know I say Tom Brady's gotten carried by his defense a little bit, but that dude has done. He's done put up some big time numbers too, though. Oh, I mean for sure. I mean he had the season where they went what sixteen? No, not sixteen and one. Not 18, 18, 18, eighteen and one. Yeah, yeah, eighteen and one with Randy Moss there, just throwing for all kinds of absurd numbers. But yeah, I mean the first couple of Super Bowls, I think like led by the uh, the Strouds and the Teddy Bruskies uh, and the Harrisons on that defense, right, and running the football a lot. The Bill Belichick coach defenses, I think you can say, kind of helped. Tom Brady to those first couple of championships. But then yeah, after that, a little, what, they won three out of four. And then there was kind of a little bit of a hi- hiatus there. And then Decade. they came back. Yeah, and then they came back and won three more. And then he moved on to Tampa Bay uh, and won a Super Bowl in his first year there. Uh, it was the first time a team ever played in their home stadium and won a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Uh, and now it's going to happen two years in a row. Not necessarily the win, but a team playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium. So it... I mean, all kinds of history there. And we talk about defenses not carrying him late in his career. Didn't he win a Super Bowl 10 to 7? Yeah. What was it? Or 10 to uh, 13 3. to 3. Yeah. Or 13 to 3. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. He didn't even score yeah. a touchdown. I think the only touchdown was scored was 
our own, you know, Sonny Michelle. He's the only one that scored a touchdown that game. Right. But, I mean, I just look at it like, dang, 28-3, the Super Bowl against Seattle where he was, like, perfect against the Legion of Boom in that fourth quarter. And then the Eagles Super Bowl, even though he lost, he threw over, like, 500-something yards. His this offensive line couldn't sure. block for nothing. All right, so what is – just top of your head, what is your favorite Tom Brady moment? Dang. Dang. Favorite Tom Brady moment? Man, it might have to be when, even though they lost this year, it might have to be with Randy. Like, they transcended into something like, i never seen that in the NFL. Let's put it like that. Yeah. That was my first time since I've been alive where I'm like a quarterback and a wide receiver are that dominant, and they just took over the league. And I remember them going like 18-0. and 0. I'm like, bro, they're undefeated in the NFL. This is the first time I've ever seen this. And pretty much the last time we've seen it, actually. Yeah. So, I'll say that. So... I was in college at the time when they were playing the, who was it? Might have been Peyton Manning in one of the AFC championship games. And I looked at one of my friends and I said, don't bet against Tom Brady. Like you just, you don't bet against Tom Brady. And so then they move on and they're playing Russell Wilson. This is a couple years later, playing Russell Wilson, in the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, Legion of Boom. I was, they're going for two in a row at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, playing them and down and it looks like the Legion of Boom is gonna is gonna take that one too. And I look at my friend, I say, remember what I told you, you don't bet against Tom Brady. And then Malcolm Butler intercepts that one. Well, a couple years later, the Falcons are playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It's twenty eight to three, as we all know. Uh and I was at a party and you know how I consume big games, Cam. I don't go out and watch them, but I it was the first time the Falcons have been to the Super Bowl you since, yeah. since nineteen ninety eight. Like they were like people, like, you have to come out with us. And I was like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll go out with you guys. Uh, it Falcons are up big at halftime. Uh, what Robert Alford had just returned an interception before half for a touchdown, and everyone's excited, just walking around, talking, drinking, having a good time. I'm sitting on the couch with my arms folded, just kind of on my phone, scrolling a little bit. You're like, what's wrong? I'm like, number twelve still coming out in the second half. Number twelve still coming out in the second half. Uh, then Julian Edelman levitates. Dante Hightower comes off the edge. The Falcons don't run the football, and then it goes to overtime. And as soon as that game goes to overtime, my friend who I have texted, I'll say Brady, that I have told multiple times, you don't bet against Tom Brady. What does he do? Sends me a text message. You don't bet against Tom Brady. And then the Patriots walk it off against the Falcons. So uh, you got to appreciate the greatness, though. Yeah, that was the worst night of my life (laughs) as a sports fan. If there's any team. If that's the worst night of your life, then you're having a pretty good life. Yeah, I, I guess, but, man, that, that one hurt, but I did respect him because he threw a pick six at the end of the half. I remember at halftime I made that Robert Alford pick six my Twitter header. Like, <laughs> no lie. I made it my Twitter header because I was so excited. I'm like, bro, we're up 28-3, and I seen the first touchdown at the end of that third quarter. I looked at my friend and said, they're about to do it again. Yep. Yeah. So, but, I mean, you got to respect the greatness. He is He's the greatest football player of all time. Okay, so we're a pretty college football-centric show, like regardless of what month it is, right? And obviously yeah. it's all about the NFL right now, the Tom Brady news, all of that. Uh, but my question to you is this. Who is or was the Tom Brady of college football? Has there, has there ever been a winner like that before? Because I'm going I'm to give you one name. I can only think of one. Because I feel like it has to be a quarterback, Yeah. right? The only one that, and I I went through all like the greatest list and all that, and to me like the criteria had to be leader, polarizing, 
multiple time champion. Okay. Right. So like Matt Liner won two national championships. Yeah. But like it was it was Matt yeah. Liner. Like I mean, he was, was a celebrity. He's in. He was in L.A. and but he was playing with Lindell White and Reggie and Reggie Bush and Cushion. Yeah, and, and them dudes out there. So it's like you know Matt, Matt Liner's Matt I, Liner. But like I feel like it's Tebow. It, yeah, we agree. Then. I feel that like it's Tebow. And, and now to be fair. He won two national championships, but he was the backup. Yeah. And one the of them to Chris Leak. But just in terms of polarizing star status, uh, excellent play, because to me, Tim Tebow is the greatest college, greatest college quarterback of all time. I, I actually called him, uh, me and my friend, my longtime friend, Chris, he watches the show. We call him the greatest football player ever mm-hmm. in college football history. Mm-hmm. I actually yeah. call we call him that maybe because that's – Especially from what we've seen, he's the greatest one. I don't know if he was the best one on his team. Percy Harvin? Yeah. Percy Harvin was cold. That guy. (laughs) Percy Harvin was cold. (laughs) Percy was was that dude. He was that dude. I wish he stayed healthy. I've never seen a college football player that every time he touched the ball, like you kind of like just like put your head in your hands. Yeah. And you were like, oh, God. And it was just shoestring tackle after shoestring tackle. The dude was a – like in basketball, they call it a walking bucket. Mm -hmm. The dude was a walking touchdown. He was. I Horrifying. Just, I love what Tebow who, brought. Him like, and Demps. Dem- oh, yeah. Quinn Demps. Yeah, nasty. Man, I mean, Tebow, he the brought that leadership. Jeffrey Demps. Jeffrey Demps, that's his name? I feel like Quentin Demps played DB. I pro- I'm probably wrong. I'm All right. probably DB Quinn. That's why I just said Demps. Yeah, but uh, Tebow, he brought that leadership, and he kind of just brought that ferocity to the game of college football that I hadn't seen before that. He was just intense. And even though he played for those Gators, T, you had to respect Tim Tebow. You just loved it. I remember when him and Eric Berry went head to head and had that collision. They both got up and was like, yeah. let's play some football. Like, that's football right there. Like, I'll never forget that. They go head to head. Eric Berry, hard hitting safety. That was like Tim that Tebow. was like the pinnacle of I'm not gonna say SEC success, but just like SEC athlete on athlete, where like the rest of the country was like, we don't have anything oh, like yeah. this. Yeah. Mutual respect. Like yeah. we don't we don't have mutants. Yeah. Out here like that, because Eric Berry, no doubt, was a mutant. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of any if anyone else like Archie Griffin, maybe mm-hmm. one two Heisman's, but like the national championship success wasn't there. Like I'm just I'm thinking polarizing and then on field success. Like a lot, I've seen a lot of people say Johnny Manziel, and I'm like, I'm a Johnny and, football. And man. in terms of like polarizing and like just like being a superstar, yes, but as a winner, yeah, he no, may. Could we say Trevor Lawrence, maybe? I would say Deshaun Watson before Trevor Lawrence. They both won the same amount and went went to the same amount. But like Trevor Lawrence, I'm talking like going undefeated multiple times inside his conference, just dominating, putting up records. I love Deshaun Watson, man, when he was at Clemson. I I felt like he was obviously the best leader in college football, but that's a tough question. That would be some more research, but that's a tough question. I would. The only answer I did have was Tebow, though. I think Tebow. I I, I think it's Tebow. I think usually when it's like, you know, if you if you hear, if you hear hoofs, don't think zebra. Mm-hmm. Think horse. Like it's it, it's Tim Tebow, right? So I don't know. Well, look, I'll, I'll bring it up to BJ. I'll let him put his analytical mind up to it. He'll probably come up with a Sun Belt player. I don't know. Uh, but we do have some other college football news to get to the Caleb Williams. News has finally broke. He look Oklahoma has lost two quarterbacks now in the same cycle to USC, just on different sides of the country. Spencer Rattler goes to South Carolina. 
Now Kayla Williams is following Lincoln Riley to Southern Cal. They had the best of both. They had them. They had both of them. Yeah, but now they're both gone. Just split them to both coasts. We'll break down what the Kayla Williams news means next and some other college football news as well. This is second down right here. Cam, I have an apology to make. Tim Tebow is not is not the Tom Brady of college football. Uh, who is? Tommy Frazier. Quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers from 1992 to 1995. Well, he must have won every year. Huh? Three-time champion. Led him to back-to-back championships. I don't know anything about old Tommy Frazier. So. Well, that's because he played before you were born. Know anything? I heard them corn huskers back then. You know they were running things back in the nineties. But they, I mean they're a laughing stock kind of right now. But I heard stories about them. I will say that I hear it from the old heads when I go in the barber shop. Yeah, them, them corn huskers back yep. then, man, they yeah. was legit. Yeah, three-time bowl MVP, three-time conference champion, and two-time national champion, and he did that back to back, back to back. Ninety-four and ninety-five. Does he have a Heisman? Oh yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that, man. Take that back. Heisman Trophy runner-up. It's hard to argue that. I'm still going to go with old Timothy. Timothy Tebow. Yeah. We're going to go with Tim Tebow. Really? Yeah. yeah really? Got to stick, gotta stick with your first answer. Your first answer is your best answer. So I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to go Tim Tebow. No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to change my answer. I got to apologize to anyone born prior to what, 1995? Yeah. That includes me. Like I said, I, I let us down. That's on me. All right, so Kayla Williams transfers to USC from Oklahoma. First thing I find funny about this is this seemed like the logical choice the entire time, but damn, did he have a bunch of fan bases like kind of salivating. Wisconsin, Georgia. Like how, yeah, LSU, yeah, uh, UCLA. Like Everyone mm-hmm. was just like, oh, man, is it happening? Is it happening? Yeah. Like how many graphic artists out there did photos of Caleb Williams in their team's uniforms. I think we said yesterday, I thought he was a lock-in to go to Wisconsin. Well, I mean, everybody thought he was. He was apparently on campus. Man, I mean, then he flipped the script. He's like, uh, Madison, Southern Cal. Southern Cal. Yeah. Like, come on. Well, I mean, it, I guess it just depends on, are you looking for that NIL money while you're in? Mm-hmm. Or are you looking for that, I want somebody to take me to the next level? That's true. Now, I guess you could say, because... Maybe not USC, but Lincoln Riley has a bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL right now. What, three starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and um, I don't know why his name's living my mind right now, but it is. Anyway. Jalen Hurts. Thank you. Uh, I could I could see the uniforms. I yep. don't know why it's living my mind. But USC, not necessarily a great track record since what? Mark Sanchez? Sanchez? Whereas Ooh. one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for the last 10 years came out of Wisconsin and Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And like, listen, nobody puts out third string quarterbacks like Wisconsin. Hey, at least get them to the NFL, man. You, you get into the NFL. That's all you that get, matters. You get, those, you get those paychecks. But yep. I will say this. I think for the last few years, Wisconsin's been a quarterback away. Yeah, they had from, the top five defense this year. For the last couple of years. And then you watch them on offense, you're like, oh, my God, how much better could this defense be mm-hmm. if the offense wasn't going consistently going three and out? Man, yeah. I just I think him going to USC is huge, though. And I, I don't want I – well, I, I, I'll say it, but I think it has potential for a Rose Bowl this year. 
I think it has a I think USC has a potential just because of all the change inside the Pac twelve. I mean, the one consistent force had really been Oregon and then Utah kind of put a stop to that. Like is Utah the favorite in the Pac twelve next year? I think there's a chance and it's an outside one, but I don't think it's as crazy as maybe thinking about it two or three months ago. There's a chance USC makes the college football playoff next year. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a high chance because the Pac-12 is so weak and Oregon's losing so many defensive players. Utah's losing Devin Lloyd, that middle linebacker. I mean, it's it's wide open in the Pac-12, as it is. You know who Utah's playing week one next year? Who? At Florida. See, yeah. that, that, that is, be That's a, a rough start to the Billy Napier area or yeah. era down at Florida. But that could also be a great start, too. He gets a win like that against Utah, who was just in the Rose Bowl and a play away from winning the Rose Bowl. How big is that for the Florida fan base off rip? Like, that's huge. But I think Caleb Williams going to USC, they have potential. I I, I predict them going 10-2. and two. I haven't looked at the schedule. but <laughs> How are you going to predict them going 10-2 and two if you haven't looked at the schedule? Lincoln Riley's due to lose a game. And then USC, USC's. At least this first year. I just I, I think the, that is the analytical breakdown that we're looking for here. <laughs> but League Riley, he's known to drop one every year. I think most coaches are known to drop a few every year. Yeah, but he drops the weird ones. Like the I mean, I think really Kirby Smart for the most part is known for dropping one a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a look. I mean, think little. about it. Jake Fromm literally went thirty-three and three as Georgia's starting quarterback. He went eleven and one three years in a row in the regular season. It's the definition of dropping one. That's true, but I, I, uh, like they always they always lay an egg. SEC championship this year. Uh-uh, but that's against Bama though. But you didn't lay you an know, egg? Lincoln Riley lose to like K State. You'd be like, Lincoln. Well, I mean, at that, home. no, that's just like an Oklahoma tradition. Yeah. Yeah. At home losing to K State and you just I, I don't I don't know, but hopefully in the Pac twelve things change. I like really uh, I like Lincoln Riley and they're gonna do big things though. I think they'll make it to the Rose Bowl, worst case scenario this year. If the Rose Bowl is your worst case, well, will the Rose Bowl be a semifinal? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I tweeted that earlier. Um, I'm like, if that's a semifinal, then obviously you're not. No, in I the don't Rose think Bowl. it will be because it was two years ago when they played the Rose Bowl in Dallas. They did play them in Dallas. That's, that's well, that was Alabama Notre Dame with Najee jumping over out our Notre Dame players. Yeah, just hurdling people. Having well, I mean, fun. that's not that's. that's Pretty much on par for what Najee usually does there. But, again, Caleb Williams transferring to USC, finally putting that one to bed. Now, that, the biggest transfer uh, of like, the biggest pieces off the board. Now, in terms of that, you've had Jackson Dart. Uh, speaking of USC, he transferred from USC to Ole Miss. So, Ole Miss has their Matt Corral replacement. Um, they've got some good running backs coming into Ole Miss as well. So, Ole Miss could be a whole lot of fun to watch next year. And then you have what's going on down at all. Where Brian Harson, we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday. Brian Harson has now lost, whether through firing or quitting, three coordinators in one offseason. And his first real offseason. It's looking rough down there in Auburn. Um, I think who's the quarterback? Zach Calzada that's coming down there from Texas AM. Yep. It's looking real rough. I, mean, I don't got know a, if that's got the, the guy you from uh, Oregon as well. I don't know if those are the guys you want for the future. Well, hey, you got old Holden Garner from uh from Benedictine out there. Yeah, yeah. He's already on that, campus. That's through. who you like for the future, a, a, a true freshman to come in there and you start yeah. from scratch. But it's looking a little – Well, if you so if you missed the news yesterday, the Auburn Tigers had hired 
uh, was Austin Davis, the quarterback's coach from the Seattle Seahawks, mm-hmm. as their new offensive coordinator. And dude didn't even make it six weeks. Hadn't been on campus for the past week or so and then informed Brian Harson that he was out. So just to recap, you lost five games in a row, including a bowl game, to finish the season. I mean, obviously the heartbreaker in the Iron Bowl, but you lose five games in a row. You lose your namesake, generational starting quarterback in Bo Nix. Like, Nix is like a holy word in Auburn, right? Yeah, he, he leaves you to go to Oregon. You fire Mike Bobo. Derek Mason, again, say it out loud, defensive coordinator at Auburn, moves over to Oklahoma State to take the same job. People don't leave Auburn for the same job at Oklahoma State. No, nah, they don't. Right? And so you bring in Austin Davis from the Seahawks, and he takes a look around, and he goes, no, thank you. I need some more job security than this. And he's out now. Harson must be, I don't want to say, he must be rubbing people the wrong way uh, when they step on campus because there's no way. Auburn, Auburn is Auburn. That's a prestigious university. Like We're talking about Cam Newton, Cadillac Williams, those type of dudes. Like It's a prestigious university. If you can't get guys to just stay there, then something's going on at that campus. I mean, they're a decade removed from winning a national championship, like eight years removed from going to another one. Yeah, played in the SEC championship not too long ago. They'll get Alabama once every three or four years. It's beat them in the Iron Bowl a couple of years ago. What is it? Three years ago now. Yeah, you're not too far removed from being the competitive team. They were like, I want to say ten and two that year when they won the Iron Bowl. I know they lost to Georgia the week before, mm-hmm. but I mean, you beat I just, Alabama. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird to me though because you're just looking around the SEC now, and there's the power dynamic where it's Alabama and Georgia right now. And I don't think anybody's really close to them on either side of that conference. I know we've seen a lot of predictions because the games have been released, but not like the date schedule for the SEC. The ACC's came out yesterday, but there, most people are predicting Georgia goes 12-0, Alabama goes 12-0 next year. Georgia has a pretty light yeah. schedule next year. The The SEC schedule is favorable. And then once you get past Oregon, if you get past Oregon, which Georgia will probably be heavily favored in that one, it, the schedule opens up really nicely for Georgia next year. So you have Alabama-Georgia. They're just kind of a step above everybody in their divisions right now. SEC East, I think, is kind of mending and kind of healing right now. you got Spencer Rattler and Shane Beamer, and like there's just a whole lot of positive injury coming out of South Carolina. Same thing uh, with Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. Florida got a new coach in there. Hopefully this one works out this time, right? So there's there's some mending going on in the SEC East, but it's it's a positive vibe, whereas the SEC West is as competitive as it always is, right? Texas A&M yeah. is just signing number one overall recruiting classes. Uh, you have Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Nobody wants to play that team, right? LSU just brought in the winningest coach currently in college football uh, in Brian Kelly. So there's, it's just, it's a murderer's row out there. And then you look at Auburn and you're like, they might be the worst team. in the SEC West. Never thought. Like, nobody's worse than Vanderbilt. We can <laughs> go oh, ahead and no, put yeah, that we, out there. You'll yeah. never be, you don't have to worry about being in the basement in the SEC. Because Vanderbilt's always there like, hey, we got you. You're never going to hit rock bottom. But, but even though Tennessee got close a few years back, mm-hmm. but Auburn's doing their damnedest to get down there. I never thought I would be sitting here saying Auburn's the worst team in the SEC West. Like Arkansas. Arkansas's good. Really good. Ole Miss, really good. Mississippi State with Will Rogers. I love Will he, Yeah, he might be the most prolific quarterback in the SEC next year. Yeah. He's really he puts up like just video game numbers. I'm just shocked, man, to see where Auburn was when they first got Bo, 
and you were competing and were like, okay, Bo is going to take them to, you know, they're going to have one of those Auburn years where they might make the playoffs or they compete in the SEC championship, and it just never really got there. They slowly declined. Well, yeah, no, decline. they were one of the media darlings at SEC Media Days last year because you had Brian Harson coming in who was a offensive guy from Boise State. You brought in Mike Bobo, and then he brought in Derek Mason. So it's like, okay, you don't really have a ton of familiar, familiarity inside the SEC. Bring in these two guys. They'll help you out with that. Oh, and by the way, you have Tank Bigsby, who just came off an unbelievable freshman season. He can be your bell cow back. Tank Bigsby didn't get a whole lot of carries this year. Uh, Bo Nix regressed under supposedly a quarterback guru in Brian Harson. And like I said, you've gone through three coordinators now in one offseason. Is Tank still there at all? Yeah, he, it, he, there was some rumors that he was moving on, but they got him to stay, which that might have been it for Harson if he left. Yeah, man. Man, I mean, because it's too late for him to transfer but now. But are you, if you're Auburn, are you worried that you get into the Florida State mode? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Where you, where you hire and fire. Absolutely. And I mean, hire and immediately on the hot seat. It, it, you're hiring and firing people, but then also you're losing like players, like big-time players. Bo Nix, you almost lost Tank Bigsby, who was your best player. He's, he's better than Bo Nix. Yeah. Um, he was your best player. <sighs> they better be. They better tread lightly, man. It is a it is a tough job to sell to somebody not with the pay the paychecks because Auburn can break you off about as good as anybody but when you sit down and you say all right our goal every year is to be competing to win the SEC West get to the SEC championships get to a New Year Six Bowl win some national championships like be competing for a national what realistically for Auburn be competing for a national championship once every three four years mm-hmm. right like every recruiting cycle that comes through like let's be competing for a national championship once every three to four years I think that's realistic for Auburn right but. To start with, you're going to play Alabama, LSU, and Georgia every year. Before we schedule any like marquee out-of-conference games, like sending you up to Happy Valley to play Penn State, before we do any of that, you're going to play Alabama, Georgia, and LSU every year. And now to a degree, Ole Miss, it's A&M, yep. Arkansas, that's yep. like five, six-ranked team yep. every year. And we're talking about what? All of them could be – all of them were top ten this year at some point outside of LSU. All of them were top ten. Looking a little tough for all but like, man. But the, for the people who are like, oh, come on, everybody's got to play tough teams. Look at Kirby Smart's job. Look at Kirby yeah. Smart's job. Yeah. They said yeah. Georgia's schedule is say you have to play Florida and Auburn every year. Yep. How different is Florida-Auburn than Alabama, LSU, and Georgia? Like, I know you can't play yourself, but yeah, that's tough. That's different. That's like Georgia playing Alabama and it's another marquee team like Ohio well, no, State. It's, every to year. me, it's it's like. It's like Mark Rick taking over at Georgia in the early 2000s mm-hmm. when Florida was dominant and Tennessee was not too far yeah. removed from a national championship. Is Before you even start thinking about anything else, it's you have to get through the murderer's row of two of the best like, top eight teams in the country every single year. And I know PJ hates us saying this, but there's nothing like the SEC. Man. It, it, it's nothing like it. It's every week. It's just tough and competitive. Even if you're in the SEC East and you're Georgia, it's still – some really nice. Why did you wait out. until PJ wasn't on the show to say that? No, nah, because we're on it. Hey, nah, if PJ, no, nah, if PJ wants to get on the show, I call him in. PJ, no, nah, I call him in. We we'll talk about it, but I mean, it's nothing like the SEC, though, man. Well, I, I just I it's it's just three four weeks ago. I was thinking uh, this we might go through a whole year and nobody get fired in the SEC. Like unless some scandal pops up, mm-hmm. uh, there's like Stoops ain't going anywhere. They're not going to fire Clark Lee. I think he's on like some sort of like ten year deal like they get it it's Vanderbilt right Shane Beamer ain't getting fired maybe Harson. so I I, I when I might be the when I kind of ranked it out in terms of on the hot scene the SEC it's it's Harson, and this was before Austin Davis left it was Harson, 
Jimbo. Because after you sign the number one recruiting class, after you bring in some transfer quarterbacks, and you have these just expectations after beating Alabama last year, if you have another 8-4, and 7-5 season, they're going to start questioning why they pay you so much. I think the only game he's allowed to lose this year is Bama because you just beat him last year. Yeah, I think that's the only game he's allowed to lose. Like I think anything less than 10 wins for a Texas A&M last, next year is a disappointment. So I, I can see Jimbo not getting fired, but being on the hot seat after next year. And then I put Mike Leach in there because I think with his personality, and we've seen it at a lot of different stops, it can kind of be volatile where it's if you're chirpy and making pirate puns and saying some kind of off-color stuff, but you're winning nine games and you're having fun doing it, all right, fine. But if you're doing all that same stuff and you're going five and seven, people, and yeah, people kind of get sick of it. So I, I I could see Leach there. So I had him third, but like I don't have anybody in the East on the hot seat. I mean, Kirby Smart has submitted himself a job for life if he wants it at Georgia, and then everybody else is relatively new in the East outside of Stoops. So I think I, Shane Beamer and them going to have a, like a cool season. Like a really like they might have the most lit seven win season. I think they might they could squeeze out eight. Depend. I haven't looked at the schedules, of course. Um, I gotta do that due diligence. But they could squeeze out eight. I'll try All to right. give them the bit. I like Spencer Rattler. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'll say they could squeeze out eight. But Jimbo, in my opinion, he has to win eleven games in the regular season. Your only loss could be Alabama. You have to beat everybody else. You got that number one recruiting class. These quarterbacks, the running backs, your team's coming back. There's no more excuses, man. No more. I'm curious to see, and somebody probably has it pretty handy, what Nick Saban's record is, like the playing somebody the year after he lost to him. He never loses. Yeah, he always blows them out. Remember yeah, I, Ohio State? Yeah, I am very concerned. In the national championship? Yeah. yeah. I am very concerned about that matchup for <laughs> Texas A&M next year. That, that might get rough, and that one's in Tuscaloosa. So, I don't know, man. I, I think it's interesting. And then – uh, it doesn't seem, and this could change any day, it doesn't seem like Texas and Oklahoma are going to be coming in this year. But also, I think some of the luster of that has kind of fallen off. Now, when they announced that they were joining the SEC, everybody obviously looks at football, but I said they don't just do this for football. I mean, when you look at the SEC and in terms of like some of the money-making sports, like with baseball, and just like the name recognition those programs bring inside your conference, that's the reason you bring them in there. But... Obviously, college football is the dominant sport inside of college athletics. That has kind of lost some of the luster. You got yeah. Steve Sarkeesian coming off of not making a bowl game last year with Texas, and now, now it's different. I think I think Texas kind of has some energy coming in this year because they got Quinn Ewers, who did like kind of a one year experiment. Like remember, if you don't remember Quinn Ewers, he left his senior year of high school, just didn't play signed an NIL deal, and enrolled early at Ohio State, even though Ohio State had like three five-star freshmen in front of him, including C.J. Shroud, who ain't going anywhere. So Quinn Ewers went up there, made his millions. I don't know what his bank account looks like, but he had a big NIL deal, and now he's coming back down uh, at Texas. They got Jaleel Billingsley, the Alabama tight end. He's transferred in there. So there's some energy around Texas, but it ain't, it ain't 2010 Texas, right? And then Oklahoma, when you hear that, again, you're, you're having – dreams of Baker Mayfield playing in the SEC games or Kyler Murray, right, playing in these SEC games. Was they it, play the first game is it, of the season? Isn't Dylan Gabriel? At Oklahoma? Yeah. yeah. But it's still, I'm just saying, like, and Dylan Gabriel's there right now, and now it's Brent Venables as their head coach. So it's just, yeah. I, I think some of us lost some of the luster that people were like, oh, my God, this is just it. It's a, it's just 
they are centralizing power inside of college athletics. No, uh, I agree. Like I think Quinn Ewer is going to Texas is really cool. Like rank them, rank them inside it. So say I throw Texas in the East and Oklahoma in the West. Woo. Oklahoma might be second to last, or kind of like in the middle of the pack. I don't think Oklahoma's better than Arkansas. I really don't. I don't think they're better than Ole Miss, Texas A&M, or uh, or Bama. I'd say Texas would probably be third, fourth, third or fourth. Yeah, in the East. I don't know if they. I don't think they're better than Kentucky. I gotta see what Kentucky has coming back. I think Tennessee's gonna be really good next year. Yeah, uh, yeah I, absolutely. I think so too. If Remember, nothing else, they're gonna put up. If, if they can just like kind of breathe on somebody on defense, they'll be better next year. I can see nine wins. Yeah, they, they could be really good next year. But doesn't um Texas play Alabama in the first game of the season? Yeah. Woo, that's. A, I don't know if it's first game. I think it's second week. That's a tough start. I think it's week two. Ewers for Quinn Ewers. That's, that's a, that's a, that kind of sucks. a tough start for anybody. Yeah, for anybody, but yeah. that really sucks. Oh, yeah. I don't know why as an athletic director you would ever accept playing Alabama out of conference. I, I don't understand it. I'm like, okay, listen, Bama, I, I appreciate the offer, but, you know, uh, let's get back on board first. Let's get, you know, some of them five stars you got, and then we might be able to run it back. But, whew, I mean, interesting year of college football. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, you talk about rough schedules. I know we've been talking about schedules a lot on today's show. Uh, the the ACC announced theirs and Georgia Tech. We got we got to talk. Whoever is doing your scheduling in terms of out of conference now, I know you have to play Georgia every single year, but whoever's like sitting there lobbying for your schedules, they they ain't doing their job very well. Georgia Tech opens the season with Clemson. Then, then they gotta they gotta pay them for a win game. Then they have Ole Miss, and then they're at UCF. Why do they keep doing this to themselves? <laughs> so you want to start and off one and three? No, and then they're at Pitt, one and four. Yeah, and then they have Duke, which maybe a win. Then you have Virginia at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, home against Miami, and then you fi- here's how you finish the finish the season: at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, home against Miami. At North Carolina, at Georgia. I may have heard. I don't like to they say They might it. win one game next That's year. That's what I was about to say. I don't know if they could beat, they could beat Duke. I really don't. If they go 1-11. And, like, no, like, and Jeff Collins can do like a really good job coaching next year, and they could win two games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could coach his butt off. They might, might go 3-9 at best. But they're not getting more than three wins with that schedule unless just everybody just the doors blow up and everybody becomes fluky and they're not who we thought they were, but that's that's a tough schedule. And they got to go on the road, too. They're well, at Ole Miss. Here's the thing is, do you think – no, they're home against Ole Miss. They, so they play Clemson to start the season on September 5th in Mercedes-Benz. So they're going to get whooped at home. Right. And then, like I said, they got a, they got a buy, it, buy a win game, and then they have – Ole Miss at home, and they're at UCF and at Pitt. I don't know if Jeff Collins survives that. Yeah, he. I don't think so either. And I hate to call somebody's job. But if they if they go survive. if they start one and four and they're getting decimated. Yeah. Now, if it's one and four, you're kind of competitive, where all these games are like three point losses. Then yeah. there's something you can argue about. But if you're losing to Clemson like fifty six to fourteen, and you're losing to Ole Miss like thirty eight to to seven. There's no point. It's going to be rough. Yeah. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk some more college football next right here on Second Down. You buy the uniform source. Cam, I was going to ask you, can you remember 
a bigger transfer in terms of potential like left and like what they did beforehand, right? Like people always go back with the perspective of hindsight, right? Where you say, wow, Joe Burrow, that's like one of the most impactful transfers of all time. Cam Newton, one of the most impactful transfers of all time. But like with the base knowledge that somebody was this good and then they transferred. Maybe Russell Wilson. That's that's, that's like that was one of the ones that came to mind for me. Just a grad transfer, moving on, trying to win. Yeah, I can't think of nobody off the top of my head. Probably, um, yeah, I, I would go Russell Wilson. Because now, just in this offseason, it's just the way the transfer portal works now is Alabama's done a majority of the work. Mm-hmm. You have an All-American, Jameer Gibbs, who's leaving his school to go play for Alabama. You have an All-American type corner, and Eli Ricks, mm-hmm. who is leaving his school to go play for Alabama. And now you have Caleb Williams, who a lot of people considered to be top two, three quarterback in college football. Either him or Bryce Young. Yeah. Right? CJ Stroud's up there. And he's sure. and he's not like he's not playing for somebody for three years and then grad transferring. He played like half a season. I don't know if that's fair, like nine games, right? And now he's transferring. I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this before. No, and like maybe if like somebody got in trouble and then they had to transfer somewhere, maybe. But in terms of huge production as a freshman, has the world in front of him going forward in his college football career and decides to leave. No, like I know people bring up like Jameson Williams. He transferred from Ohio State. We didn't know. I didn't know nothing about Jameson Williams at Ohio State before he got to Bama. I'm pretty sure he was a decent wide receiver, but I I knew absolutely nothing about him. But yes, I would probably go. Um, Caleb Williams, one, Russell Wilson, two. And the only reason why I say Russell Wilson, two, he was at NC State for a good minute before he transferred to Wisconsin. You know what I'll say? and this, It's usually the ones right in front of your face that you don't think about. Justin Fields. No, I mean, I, I was going to say Justin Fields, but he didn't play much at right. Georgia. Like, he was an unknown. It was, it was a relative unknown. And, like, maybe Kyler Murray because he was – we saw some stuff at Texas yeah. A&M when he transferred, but never really how – Mm-hmm. Great, he was going to be so. Oh, Jalen Hurts. There we go. But see, Jalen Hurts. It was. It, I, but he played I, a long time. I view Jalen Hurts more of a Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. That's where what he I was about to say, he yeah. played at one school for a while, and then was like, mm-hmm. okay, I have one more year to prove it to the NFL guys. I'm going to go somewhere else. So that's what I looked at there. So I, I I don't know that we have ever seen anything like that before. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up second down right here on ESPN. I was going to talk about the Washington football team and the fact that their their name is being announced tomorrow, but. Now I got to talk about, was that the best end to any Marvel movie? The end of the first Iron Man? Iron Man's my favorite Marvel character outside of Wolverine. Like where he, like where he hits it with the, where he just hits it with the, I am Iron Man. Yeah. Is that, is that the best, is that the best end to any Marvel movie? Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. I always love the, cool. I always love the cut to black into the movies. I, I do love the cut to black, but man, Iron Man's the coolest Coolest Marvel character. Coolest Avenger. I ain't going to say Marvel character. I still, I'm still a Wolverine guy, too. That's fair. To the day I die, man. That's fair. Yeah. Still All Wolverine right. guy. But, no, uh, the, the reports are out there that the Washington football team, their name being announced tomorrow, is going to be the Washington Commanders. Yeah, which just sounds XFL as hell. Uh, so, eh, meh is the overwhelming. I'd say, if anything, just stay as the Washington football team. You kind of sound like an English Premier League club. 
uh, which I think I think is fine. You don't have to have a mascot. Just be the Washington football team. But the Washington Commanders, they're just trying to – it's a money grab. They want you to spend some more money there. Uh, coming up here on 3 and Out, got Kelly Quinlan from Jackets Online. Going to talk about just how brutal that poor, poor Jeff Collins' schedule is in 2022. That's coming up at 3.30. Aaron Fit from D1Baseball.com. Going to join the guys coming up at 420. Uh, 247 national writer Brad Crawford is going to hop on there at the 5 o'clock hour. He has Georgia and Alabama going 12-0 and 0 in 2022. We'll break it all down coming up on 3 and Out. If you missed any portion of our show, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or on ESPNCoastal.com.